0: Welcome to the broadcast. Hey. Every Arizona homeowner's best friend. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. I talk to the tree. Stop and hear what I say. Come on around back, Arizona. It is Saturday morning, 8 o'clock at the Outdoor Living Hour here at Rosie on the House. Your Saturday morning tradition for 34 years and talking trees. We've got Gary Peterson, the branch manager of Save a Tree. And you've got one of your uh, arborists in with you, Matthew Noriega. We are going to be talking all kinds of tree maintenance and things that you need to be aware of coming into and getting through our windy Hmm, and rainy monsoon season. But we've got the tree of the month to start with. Yes, we do. We do. Um, want to tell you a little bit about Matthew first? Absolutely.
1: Matthew's actually... He's not a tree. No, not a tree. <laughs> not a tree. He knows a lot about trees. <laughs> Matt, uh, Matt's native Arizona. He's from here. So, uh, you know, I'm the transplant here. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Um, Matt's been in the business about 10 years. Six of it was landscaping. Four of it was uh, trees. Matt's now a certified ar- arborist. Just got
0: his license month, month and a half ago. And if you... We're going to go down that route right away. Matthew, talk about the path of becoming an arborist. What what did that
2: entail? Well, I come from where there is no arborist from Yuma, Arizona. Um, When I made my way up to Phoenix, that's when I was exposed to what a real professional arborist is. Um, You need at least three years out in the field um, to even chase your um, arborist license, but I went through a class supported by ISA um, and sponsored by ACTC. Uh, it was a five-day, day, five one-week class going through the study guide of, of a boriculture study um, test and stuff like that. But really, it's a journey. It's an it's a industry that's always changing, always growing. Um, these are living organisms we deal with, and it's, you can never learn enough. So it is a journey. And to keep your arborist status, you know, there's a certain amount of training each year
0: that is required.
2: Yes, sir. Yeah, CEUs, those can be acquired through um, conferences, workshops, uh, various places. To, to You do have to have a, a set limit at the end of the year to retain your, your arborist license. So that's always fun to do, go to these new things. Climbing competitions. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was Did- there. Did you compete? Um, let's just say I competed and I did good enough for someone that hasn't been climbing for about a year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there you go. But shout They're out to experience. all those guys. Yeah, it's tough work. I mean, I climbed for, for the whole time I was dealing with trees. You learn a lot. It's super dangerous but super rewarding um, when you step back and you look a tree and you, you know you've done it right and properly. So climbing is always a way to go if you're if you're chasing a boriculture Industry, it's a good good skill to have. Well, congratulations on
0: getting your arborist license. Thank you, thank you.
1: Matt is uh, currently over our west, the west side of Phoenix. Uh, So, just stepped into that role three, four months ago, something like that. Yeah, about four months. Yeah, and I've got him on the east side one day a week. So, uh, if you're if you're in need of an arborist, especially on the west side, match your guy. Very good, excellent. Go into the topic of tree of the month uh this month we're going to talk about the desert willow um has a
2: proper name that i'm not very well with matt you can go ahead and take that over so the tree of the month is the telopsis linares commonly known as the desert willow um it comes from the family the sorry if i butcher this uh big the trumpet creeper family well the good thing is you don't have anyone in this room that can correct you so just <laughs> so, roll with it man yeah um It's a perennial large shrub to small tree, medium size. Um, It's native to the southwestern areas of of the U.S. and and parts of Mexico. Um, They can grow up to about 20, 30 feet with adequate water. Um, They are very drought tolerant. So they they are a low maintenance tree also, which is a great addition to the the yard or landscape. Um, They're deciduous. They kind of look like a, a Tim Burton tree in the winter when they're dormant with the weeping uh, branches and stuff like that. But they do real well in the cold, about 10 degrees Fahrenheit. They're, they're real hardy um, and recover well from frost damage. So, Do we know who picked out the desert willow
0: as the tree of the month? Because I got the talking points and I'm reading through it and I highlighted words like ugly. Messy sticks and seeds mm-hmm. in the winter. and hide of a tree. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, <laughs> some, uh, whoever I think, picked this I really
1: f- loved this tree. I think he's up in Idaho.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mr. Eisenhower. <Yeah. laughs> uh, the one thing that. Um, when I did my research on it, it's one of the few trees that doesn't have any thorns from what I understand.
0: Yeah, no thorns. And that's
1: very hard to find a in the desert. A native
0: without a thorn.
1: Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was I was quite impressed with that. I thought, that's all I'm planting from here on out. And every time I touch something, I end up with a thorn.
0: And those 30 foot in height, I mean, those, and you were saying with the right amount of water, we could probably do that in a landscape. But you would most likely find those
2: along dry riverbeds. Exactly. Where you would see them of that mm-hmm. size
0: out in nature.
2: Yeah. Um. When they do grow to that size, pruning is is a big part. They are a brittle tree, so having those properly pruned to get that weight out of there. Um, it's a semi dense tree, so it's not going to be super dense regarding shade. So, um, really, with these guys, they're a great patio tree, um, a, a, a tree outside your window for sh- for shade or screening. The roots are non invasive on these guys. It's just they are messy when they're when they're in their dormant. So around a pool jacuzzi pond take consideration because you will be cleaning up but other than that i mean they are a great tree they provide great habitat um hummingbirds love to feed on them uh other birds come in and taking the seeds and stuff dove quail um they really are a native beautiful fragrance fragrant fragrant smelling tree um so yeah um with the
0: native, yeah and then when they bloom they, it's a different color. a lot of our blooms and colors are yellows, oranges, you know, very you know reflective of the sunrise colors, but this one's different.
2: yeah, this one has more of a white purple lavender tint to them, almost swirled or streaked, like I said, it is a, a trumpet shaped flower, but there's so many varieties and colors of these the cultivars I mean you can get all pink to deep purples um, they're they're really prevalent out here in the nursery so
0: and could you i know they've done this with um via where they might take a a couple different color and plant in the same hole so when it grows you look like you've got a multi-colored bogan view when it blooms but it's just three different ones planted in the same hole
2: could you get away with something like that or do these need more space yeah i mean depending on how much water it's getting i'm sure you can create a little three tree shrub with with the various colors intertwined i'm sure that would work i um, giving it the ad- adequate space it needs to grow and stuff like that but i, I wouldn't see a problem with that i think that looked pretty cool Sounds like a great
0: tree if you're looking for some western or southern shade against the side of your house,
2: and then because it's deciduous, it'll let the light in during the winter. Yeah, they do great in full sun. Um, Unlike its relative, closest relative, the Chitalpa tree, um, those are a little bit more sun-shy, real susceptible to sunburn, but the desert willow does really well in full sun. Now, it listed a couple of uh, diseases that it can be susceptible to at times of the year. Um, really, fungus can, can be a problem, and it, it's always out here. Uh, making sure that those root balls are dry. Um, overwatering is a thing out here. It looks just like underwatering, so letting that water dry up and only being retained down low is a good thing. Um, sooty canker is also something that can get in these guys, is fungal pathogen that eats away at cambium. Um, it, it really is a problem out here, but for the most part, it does have also flat-headed, round-headed borers can go, go into these guys. Um, but really, the health of the tree before it gets these problems is, is ultimately what's going to keep its longevity. If the tree is healthy and can fight off these things, it's, it's going to make it through or last longer. Now, if somebody wants to go pick
0: out this tree at a nursery, is desert willow good enough, or do they need to be able to pronounce Chileopsis
2: (laughs) linearis? No, desert willow (laughs) works fine. They'll know exactly what you're talking about, what colors you're thinking about. Um, When you do go to the nursery, obvious uh, they are containerized trees, so checking for girdling roots, good trunk flare, stuff like that, proper... um, uh, aesthetic growing patterns no competing stems stuff like that and talk about girdling roots because that is
0: you know look, John always said as goes the roots so go the shoots so you,
2: you start start there yeah so when you plant a, a tree or a shrub, you're going to take it out of the box and you're going to see the swirls of all those fine hairs, those root hairs. And those are all swirled because they've reached their limit to the sides of the buckets or container or whatever. Um, and then they start to cross. They start to swirl and they start to girdle the tree itself. Um, when that happens, it's almost as if somebody's holding on to your, your forearm, stopping the blood flow or in this case, the energy that the carbohydrates needed, the photosynthesis carbohydrates being developed also, um, you'll start to see a buildup of carbohydrates where the girdling is occurring because the tree will naturally want to swallow up another root if it's causing a a blockage in in the path. Um, Almost chokes itself out. Yes. So... Maybe three to five years down the line, you might have your tree dying off of one side, and everything above ground looks fine. It's only when until you get down underneath that you see that you're probably having too many or a major girdling root. Um, we would go in, uh, cut the roots. They, they do regenerate as a, as a branch. They also put out other you know small root hairs after cutting them. So it doesn't necessarily damage the tree, only if you go about over 30% of, of root
0: excavation on it. Well, very good. That is your tree of the month. You can find it at rosyonthehouse.com. Just type desert willow into the search, and we've got uh, branch manager Gary Peterson with Save-A-Tree along with the, one of their certified arborists, uh, Matthew Noriega. How many arborists do you all have on staff right now?
1: got five. Excellent. Um we just uh, Matt was our fourth um, in in the retail end of it, and we now have commercial arborist, um, so we're starting to grow big time.
0: That's awesome, and one of the fun things that we've been able to do with uh, you know the merger of Integrity and Save a Tree is y'all have arborists all over the country, so when yeah. we had an opportunity to talk about aspen trees y'all had an expert out of denver that happened to be in town and and covered it so you know we've got so many different elevations and terrain in arizona and a desert arborist isn't the same as a high mountain arborist and having those types of resources through save a tree has been a great addition to uh the broadcast we love being here continuing our conversation here talking trees with save a tree and our tree of the month let's talk about uh, our to-dos of the month we get a lot of our winds and majority of our rain comes in the summer season usually most of the time and they're still predicting a A wetter monsoon than usual, haven't seen it yet, but uh, there are some things to be aware of as it relates to caring for our trees to get them through this season without blowing over or having huge branch break off.
1: Right, right. Talked a little bit about that uh, last month, getting some of your palms pruned, uh, getting some of your ficus pruned, uh, thinning some of that stuff out. And um, as I drive around Phoenix, you can literally see what trees have been pruned, which ones haven't. Um, I would suggest uh, getting all over that because if it gets real windy, they're, they're very top-heavy. Um, and, Matt, you've done a lot, of, a lot of storm damage through trees and seen a lot of things. Correct. Especially this time of year.
2: Yeah, with the wind, it's always, always key to be watching your trees. When you see the leaves blowing in the wind and the small twig branches, that's completely fine. That's exactly what the tree needs to be doing. But it's when the bigger wood starts to sway. The wood in the inner two-thirds of the canopy, that's when it's signaling you to ti- it's time to get the trees pruned. End weight mitigation is a, is, is a big thing out here, especially for ficus. they got so much foliage in the berries. Um, they are subde- susceptible to sun, sun scolding, so that needs to be taken into account and probably not getting them heavily pruned during the summer, the dog days. You Quite know. a
0: quite a balance it needs the weight reduction but if you take away too much it's going to sunburn
2: exactly so being ahead of ahead of the summer months is what's what is really what it's going to take that way you can get a hard reduction allow it to still fill back in in the spring and shade itself from the sun
1: right 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 a lot of it also is um, a watering I've I've heard I hear a lot of my arborists talk about people underwatering overwatering uh, lawns, trees, all of that, and um, I think that uh, you just did a presentation to the group a couple of weeks ago about how to tell if your lawn's getting enough watering with the the tuna can thing. And yeah, yeah, it's got a pretty good idea.
2: Yeah, with the, with the lawn, it's it's pretty known. You can get an empty tuna can about two inches, the the smaller, wider ones. Um, place those scattered throughout the, the lawn. You're going to run your your irrigation. And until that water fills up that tuna can, that's how you know you're getting enough water for the grass. Um, once you figure that out, you know the duration you need to, to leave your sprinklers on. Um, the key out here to just not just lawn but to shrubs and, and trees is, an, is a longer, less frequent watering. Um, You want to get that deep, deep watering, at least two feet down. If you have a soil probe, I always recommend getting one to check. Um, It's a little bit of homework to learn your landscape and your trees, but it goes a long way. Um, Soaker hoses go a long way rather than just those little dinky emitters. Um, Sometimes those don't do the work or they get plugged up through the system. Um, It's really easy with the soaker hose. Obviously, pa- placing them around the drip lines does dividends, um, not right up on the trunk. We don't want to promote fungal growth. growth. Um, and also watering your trees or lawn in the morning. Don't be doing it at night. You're promoting that fungal growth. If you can't help it, maybe 4 to 7 o'clock at the latest. But really at night isn't a good good decision. So... 4 a.m. to 9 a.m.? Yeah, that- letting letting that topsoil dry out because the moisture we want is going to be retained down low in the soil where it's a lot cooler and easier. Out here, the sun's so harsh, it dries it up on the top. And, and I was always taught when I put a lawn in to water overnight, sometime around midnight, so this is new to me, but that makes perfect sense. Yeah, with, with a new lawn, you do want to want water, Gary. Uh, it's it's just having that, that extra water, getting it through its grown phase, but eventually you do want to Put, pull back on the water watering at night.
1: I was um, I've been out on some job sites over the last couple of weeks and um, Take the soil probe out of course you check you've got you've got bushes dying You've got things like that and it never fails. I'll get the probe down that far and it will stop you know an inch um, Waterings huge out here especially this time of year it evaporates so fast
0: And it can be interesting depending on your irrigation setup. I mean, you could stick it in and not get an inch into the ground and move six inches over and it'll sink. True. If that water is is concentrated to a single drip head just going right down and, you know, that one drip head might be great for that one part of the tree and it can keep the tree alive. But then there needs to be multiple emitters around the perimeter of the tree for it to be in place the health it needs to be.
1: Um, another common mistake is when, when you're fertilizing, read the bottle, it'll, a lot will tell you don't apply after 85 degrees because the second it hits the ground it evaporates anyway. Um, I see that 70% of the phone calls I get at work are, you yeah, my fertilizer is not working. When are you doing? What are you using? We always still try to guide people in the right
0: direction. But uh,
1: with our heat, you're you're spraying air basically. If that makes sense,
0: that's an expensive waste of time. <laughs> right, right. And it gives you a, a falsehood because if it's not doing anything for the tree, then you think, well, then something else has got to be wrong. If even the fertilizer's not working, and, and you can tend to overdo it, <laughs> really yeah, overdo it. And, and you said eighty-five degrees, correct? Yeah, most of them are <laughs> eighty-five
1: degrees. Yes, yeah, so okay. you're going to do it morning or late at night.
0: Okay, and that's a liquid application.
1: Yeah, for that, that's most of your liquids. Yep. Yes, sir.
0: Will the heat affect the granulars? I always just assume they bake out there. <laughs> uh, you know what? I
1: don't have any data on that. <laughs> that's that's the best answer I have. I know the <laughs> liquids, though. They evaporate quick.
0: They evaporate quick, uh, but they also work a lot quicker, too. And that's why you see that in professional application a lot. is It has a, a, an immediate effect where the granulars could take a long time if they're still there by the time they fully dissolve into mm-hmm. them. And we have trucks for that. <laughs> Big tanks. Big tanks. <laughs> And save a tree, talking trees. More after this. Spending your Saturday morning with Rosie on the house as we continue to talk trees here in the second Saturday of the month. We do it every second Saturday at the 8 o'clock hour, our outdoor living hour. And we talked about the tree of the month. We started talking about watering techniques. Um, and you had mentioned, Matthew Noriega, that, you know, on the ficus, if you trim it too much, you could adapt it to sunburn. Well, what if somebody's already hacked away and you have know, got a soft bark tree it's getting a lot of exposed sunlight. What can they do to help uh, protect that tree at this point?
2: If they hacked out your tree, definitely don't hire those guys again. Um, <laughs> even if it's yourself. Yeah. <laughs> or learn uh, from your mistake. We're going to need to read a book. <laughs> you
0: could see yourself in the backyard going, I'm not using you anymore. Yes, I am. No, I'm
2: not. <laughs> uh, but, no, uh, depending on the species of trees, some are a little bit more resilient. Some are real bad, like ficus. Uh, normally, I do recommend burlap wrap. There is plastics out of there. Um, but with the plastic, you can sometimes create a greenhouse effect, which is bad. Uh, if you, you have wounds on your trunk, um, if it's open from the sun scolding, you're only containing whatever's in that 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 area it could be pathogens it could be insects so i usually tend to use the uh, burlap wrap only because it's you can let the trunk breathe and let it release its gases um obviously a no-brainer is having the natural shade which is from the canopy shading the bark um shading the root zone it's huge a lot of times you see the old citrus grove trees still to the ground um A lot of people like to have them up because it's easier to pick the fruit. I get it, but you're going to have to deal with the sun scolding on that that Western Exposure sun. Um, You can also use, I think it's the Go Natural paint. Um, They have that white paint. That's what you usually see on the citruses. It's not for insects. (laughs) It's for the sun. Um, But the Go Natural is more of a browner tint, so it doesn't look as bad, and um, you don't have white trunks sticking around your yard. It kind of blends in a little bit easier we had a horse shred off bark on
0: one of our multi-trunk mulberry trees mm-hmm. and i used that to help keep it from getting sunburned until it the bark was able to come and heal itself and that seemed to really help but it is funny how you were saying we're talking about the arborist certification you're mm-hmm. always learning i remember the first time i had a landscape guy you know come out i was Pruning trees, some, uh, variety of desert mesquite for, uh, my dad's office building. And he came out and he's like, Hey, let me give you a few little pointers on it. And he was talking, he had some kind of paint that he's like, you know, every time you make a cut prune you know cover the cut with this wound and then like uh, two years later he came by and he's like you know no we've we've changed all that don't do it let the tree heal naturally exactly. if you're watering it uh you know what you're gonna end up doing is you're gonna seals bad bacteria that's inside that cut if you use this so forget what i told you three years ago <laughs> <laughs> they
1: say, they say they're self-contained
0: <laughs> there should be no reason to do that and it, it's good to hear that
1: the paint's not purely decorative as well you know i've i've, I've heard people say that you know i just do it to decorate no you don't you're protecting the tree yeah if that makes sense
0: it's the citrus likes to be a shrub but Mm -hmm. we like to prune it up as a tree and then it can't shade its bark so they would paint the the trees white to protect the bark and it became a look right not realizing that that was a you know a, a care
1: practice right right that makes sense um so so say you're in dire dire straits now you've got a leaning tree because it's it's sunburnt and it's starting to starting to check out
2: on you uh what what can we do about that um if it's leaning and it looks like it's, it's dying off on the one side with a real bad sun gold uh depending on the species there isn't a lot we can do as far as reprimanding that suns gold. the only thing you can let the tree do is engulf that that suns gold, keeping it shaded keeping it healthy um and eventually that will disappear um it won't heal trees do not heal they only you know they wall off their 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 wounds so if you can create some kind of shade um really that's your best shot aside from the the burlap or the painting but also, if if you can help, it. if this is a new tree or a tree you're wanting to get planted, knowing where to plant them is a big help in the future. If you're putting it on, you know, the east side of the house, getting that great east morning sun, that high noon sun, but it's being sheltered sheltered by the house in the in the evening by the west harsh sun, you're you're pretty much helping it shading it naturally, only because you knew that this was gonna happen and you prepared for it. Um, I think that's that's a big help. Also letting other trees canopy certain other species for sun scold. Desert willow would be a good one to plant on the west side of the house? Yeah, that is a good tree. That can do great in full sun. Um they don't I'm not too sure with the reflective heat if I'm sure it's really bad off a window or something like that. Uh it can be, be susceptible to, to sun scold. But for the most part it, it does great in full sun. The leaves enjoy it, flowers enjoy it. So,
1: I was talking to uh, Mr. Eisenhower a couple months ago, and we were talking about this very thing. He's, we've got a product called Arbor Kelp that um, he swears by. Um, Roy Maxey, one of one of my other arborists, uh, calls it Xanax for trees. If <laughs> if you need uh, emergency stuff, you put Arbor Kelp on it, and if Arbor Kelp doesn't fix it, you're gonna have a real problem. So, how do you apply it? Uh, I had an I, applicator come out and put it on. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, that was easy. Yeah, oh yeah. It's it's deep root fed.
0: Um, the and kelp. It's one of those you have to be an arborist. You have to have your license for that type of, of chemical kelp. application.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the kelp is a great, great uh, summer application. Out here with the harsh sun, it's not good to throw tons of nitrogen on these roots. You'll literally burn them up. So with the sea kelp, it promotes more root growth hairs, which actually take up the water and the nutrients. Um, it, it, it's really great for stressed out trees um, that, that aren't doing well with the drought. Uh, they, 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 it adds just great organic you know, microorganisms into the ground that help fight off anything that's causing this stress also. Uh, it, Arbor kelp is great. We have some great um, research on growth of, of the root hairs with arbor kelp being used. Um, it's a great, great application for newly planted trees because you shouldn't be throwing nitrogen on newly planted trees. Um, you usually want them to grow to at least one to two growing periods before you start fertilizing heavily. Uh, so arbor kelp is a great, great mid-time application. Good deal. What, uh... What about wood chips? John's got on my
1: my document here. The dog days of summer, PHC topic, HTO and wood chips. What's that
2: about? about? Wood chips are also a great great addition to retaining that that moisture and blocking off that heat. Um, it's great in flower beds. You can get out a bunch of weeds that are in your flower bed by just kind of smothering them. Um, but wood chips also add that organic material uh, component to uh, to your your plants. Out here it's it's so mow blow and go. Uh I need a nice yard. I want the rocks to look pretty that we have no organic material in our soil. It's not like a rainforest. So when you're blowing all those leaves from dropping in the berries and the twigs, you're literally throwing getting rid of all these nutrients that the tree needs. So it's 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 a great great addition to have have Wood chips, but make sure you're not overdoing it you you really only need about two inches um anymore you could be suffocating the the whole root root mat um root zone so being aware of only having about two inches i want to say probably holds a lot of moisture as well right definitely good deal deal. and that's
0: two inches at a time i mean it'll eventually break down and into the soil and you'll need to put some more on in a year or two years Mm -hmm. or you know just depending on how uh, much water, shade, sunlight, you know, natural, organic, and composting is happening underneath the tree. Oh yeah, and we had a great episode last month when y'all, when Save a Tree was in, just about how to a, a, a new properly staking method for a tree. Cover that briefly. I mean. Listeners can go back and catch that podcast, but, you know, give a, a quick reader's digest version because with the winds and leaning trees, if you've, we've got some, a newer tree, the proper way to stake that up.
1: A lot of that comes back to what he was talking about earlier, a root ball. Uh, when, you, when you've when you got a root ball that's kind of entwined within itself, uh, you, you've got to maybe pull the tree up, trim it, and then put what they call a duckbill system on it. Matt can tell you lots about that. Yeah, uh,
2: duck bills are great. Um, they're a long-lasting anchor system for for planted, newly planted trees, and also you know adolescent trees that just seem that to, to have a trouble establishing. Um, you commonly see the two wooden posts uh, with with the wire tied around. That's the most common, um, which isn't bad, uh, but knowing how to do it properly is a key. If they're rubbing on – if the posts are rubbing on the branches or on the trunk, you need to get that thing away. You're causing wounds to open and close, open and close, letting pathogens to come in. Um, So having them on the outside. And we we use uh, what you call arbor tie. It's more of a cloth material. It's not like the PVC stuff that you see wrapped around with the wire. It's a little bit more forgiving with the tree. And the big thing is having the tree not reliant on the post. If the tree is growing completely on the, the, the support of the post or duckbill system, it's not creating that stimulation to have a good trunk flare to grow, to, to stimulate it, to pr- promote that root growth and get big. Um, when it's reliant on the post or, or duckbill, um, when you remove those, you can now possibly have it break because it's spent its whole life being held up by these these posts so that that that's a huge thing it's 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 really hard to understand why the trees just fall over after so long um, but with the root collar excavation that we can provide and and getting these roots pruned um it, it goes a long way as far as future length in, in the life of the tree and also having that that beginning starting point of the tree not be reliant on these posts so that so they can be established.
0: So much goes back to those roots, like you were saying, the, the girdling, if you get it out of the bucket and around, well, mm-hmm. if you don't str- cut them off so they can grow straight and spread out to, to anchor themselves under the ground, if we're not watering deep enough so the roots aren't getting far enough down, they're not holding into the ground as, as strong as they're designed to. And um, it's back to the soil So in so many cases when it comes mm-hmm. to, to proper tree care. I've got some of
1: um, a document that John Eisenhower wrote a while back. Um, and I did, he wrote something, it just kind of hit me. It says um, While marveling at the adaptations made by these amazing plants, give yourself some credit too for surviving another summer in the Sonoran desert, desert. Lessons to learn from our botanical desert companions lay low, avoid sun exposure, slow your pace, and perspiration. Avoid strenuous activity in the hottest day. Drink plenty of water and carry extra with you. Plant a tree this year to nurse you through the next 10 or
0: 20. Yeah, not every arborist was first an English major at ASU. (laughs) I know. He killed me. (laughs) (laughs) Down to our final Talking Trees segment this Saturday morning, and we've got branch manager Gary Peterson in studio with us, along with arborist Matthew Noriega. And you had thrown out a lot of uh, acronyms earlier when you were talking about your arborists. The ISA, that's the International Society of Arborists, uh, ACTC, Arizona Community Tree Council. Well, during the break, y'all threw a new one at me I'd never heard of, uh, the SWAN. The Southwest Agroforestry Action Network. That sounds technical. <laughs> I, it's very
1: technical. And actually, they've got some stuff going on on July 13th. Um, if you go to ArizonaTrees.org, you can RSVP. Uh, Dan Hansley's going to be talking about regenerating and sustaining a culture of abundance. Um, I've heard Dan talk before. You'll learn something from this guy. Um, it doesn't state that there's a cost, it's just a sign up thing, register, and it's going to be via Zoom from
0: uh, what it looks like to me. Oh, so it's not even something you have to get out of the house for. Right, right. little little bit of education from the couch. And that's happening when?
1: Uh, July 13th of 22, 10 a.m. Mountain, 9 a.m. Pacific.
0: Okay. No, and that uh, is a great speaker. And this um, SWAN, is it? The, the, the Southwest?
1: Agroforestry Action, Action Network. Network. S-W-A-A-N.
0: Are you able to get any of your CEMUs C- through CEUs? C- 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 yeah. C- e- CEUs?
1: Yes, there are CEUs available. It looks like about 2.5 from what I can see right off the top. Excellent. It's a two-step process that allows to attract attendance for CEUs and CFEs.
0: So it's a great opportunity on ZoomWise if you are looking at a uh, career in the tree industry, tree care, or becoming an arborist, just kind of get a... Uh, lazy boy armchair view of it uh, watching the meeting talk about some of the specialties that y'all perform every day and uh, not only in the tree but y'all have uh, expanded into lawn service as well
2: yeah yeah we we now take care of uh, lawns we aren't the mow blow and go guys um, but we do do you know applications liquid applications uh, we do uh, organic applications um, soil amendments uh, insect control grub uh, really, it, it can go pretty far. We have an extensive network. Um, <laughs> the lawn program, it—I've seen results on it, and the, and it looks amazing. Um, it does take time out here with the environment. Our grass, the Bermuda, Saint Augustine, it's so used to this horrible sun and these this this shallow watering. Um, so really, when we're doing our lawn programs. I always like to give helpful uh, lawn tips for, for growing your lawn and, and having the applications av- actually work and, and get the bang for your buck. Um, because if you're not watering, if you're cutting your grass too, too uh if you're letting your grass grow too high and then cutting it, it's, it causes your, your grass to go into shock. Like I said, if, if the watering isn't adequate, if, if your emitters aren't covering your lawn, Fully, that's a huge thing. So so really I like to give tips on, on something the homeowners can do um, because it, it's not a special elixir. It's not going to, you know, s- cure cancer or anything like that. So doing your own homework is really, really key with this. Um, we also do Christmas lights, and that's coming up. <laughs> that's true. Yes, we do. Yeah, we do, yes, we do we Christmas do. lights. Um, I love to put it. If you've owned your house for 30 years, you've only put up Christmas lights 30 times. We might put up Christmas lights 30 times a year, so that's that's a lot of times. I've seen what we can do. I've uh, it, it's beautiful. It's professional Christmas lights, um, and that's that's right around the corner. So if you love Christmas, um, definitely give us a call. Not counting this month, think about it: August through November, say mm-hmm. four months. Yeah, yeah. It's coming and up fast. It's around the corner. They're killing me. <laughs> and Your crews are scheduled out how far right now? Uh, with the monsoon season, obviously, we, we like to reach out with our recurring homeowners, um, get them on schedule. But some of our arborists are pushed out all the way till mid-August. And you know, most of our industries are hit by supply chain.
0: But thinking through it, y'all are probably pretty... Uh, pretty resistant against the supply chain. You've got your pruners, your equipment as long as nothing breaks. Um yeah, you know, that's a a fairly sustainable industry against, you know, like the countertop guys who are waiting right, right. 6 months for the slab to get carved out of the bottom of the Brazil mine and get shipped over in a container <laughs> to put in Nancy's kitchen remodel.
1: We uh as far as the the steel part of of what we do, yeah, that that we haven't taken a bad hit on that. Um, some of our materials on our plant healthcare care side, um, fertilizers, been real tough as of late to get. Uh, we've had to go through different channels uh, to, to do it nationwide because we are now Disneyland to Disney World. So um, it, it can be tough to do. Something I wanted to get back on what he was talking about, lawns. Um, when Jordan was here a couple months ago, uh, the gentleman from Denver, uh, he said that we always use the science first. A lot of times, ninety uh, percent of the time, we're going to take a soil sample, and we want to understand the dirt that the grass is growing in, so we can actually, you know, put a plan together to make it work based on what you're looking for, how fast you're looking for. Because anything can be done; it's just a matter of doing it and letting the science do what it does.
0: And that's uh, the best way to get in contact with y'all?
1: Well, there's, there are several ways. You can call the office at 602-614-4807. And if you're out on the west side, you can give Matt a call at 602-478-6217.
0: And then online, y'all have a beautiful website. I went to the homepage and I've just kind of been mesmerized by the video that's running in the background of all the different uh, applications and technical climbing and yeah. you know, these massive equipment for these trees that uh, y'all care for.
1: We do a lot of the uh, arbor, arbor stuff, Washington
0: monuments, the cherry trees.
1: I mean, we do some pretty big, big stuff.
0: Well, thanks for spending your Saturday morning with us. We'll look forward to seeing you all back here in August. Talking Trees again, second Saturday of the month, right here at Rosie on the House. Have a great day.